Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has used executive power to remove another democratically elected prosecutor for political reasons. Is this yet another example of rising fascism in America? And what does it say about the ideological conflict over criminal justice reform? That's what we'll be discussing here today on The Left Wing. I'm John Cooper from Counterpoint Politics, joined by recurring guest TJ from Powers Taken Not Given and special guest Little Miss Marxist. So here are the details of this specific situation. Ron DeSantis suspended state attorney Monique Worrell, who served Florida's ninth district. That's kind of where Orlando is, uh, a Democratic stronghold in an increasingly red state. Worrell was the only black woman in Florida elected to serve as a state attorney, uh, and she was elected in 2020 with a whopping 66 percent of the vote. This is the second time that DeSantis has removed a democratically elected state attorney. Last time was about a year ago, uh, and it exposed a major flaw in our legal system, which seems primed for a fascist takeover. In 2022, DeSantis removed state attorney Andrew Warren from office. A federal judge ruled that the removal was unconstitutional, but dismissed the case on the basis that he did not have the legal authority to intervene in a state matter. Obviously, that should terrify anyone who just heard it. DeSantis claims to have removed both state attorneys on the basis of dereliction of duty, an accusation which started with the high-profile killing of three people, at least started in this case with Worrell, um, with the high-profile killing of three people from a man with a criminal record that DeSantis claims was only on the streets because Worrell refused to prosecute him in the past. However, the only time that he was actually charged with a crime, crime during Worrell's tenure was for a minor marijuana possession, which Worrell declined to prosecute because it was difficult to prove. Either way, it was unlikely that a conviction would have even put him behind bars long enough to prevent this shooting. Meanwhile, Worrell's district has seen a reduction in overall crime rates while she has been in office, with an overall crime rate dropping 10% and murders dropping 13%. So... I think that this speaks both to, you know, the authoritarianism of DeSantis and also to the kind of ideological conflict when it comes to criminal justice reform. I, I see conservatives often talking about how and people in my comments always tell me, oh, you want to you're pro crime and you want to put criminals back on the streets. But these with the reason that we support these policies that sometimes end up do putting people who would have been in jail back on the streets is because they are effective at reducing crime. We have a very high recidivism rate in this country, and people who go to jail because the conditions there are so shitty end up being more likely to commit a crime than if they hadn't, which is why a lot of these prosecutors are putting less people in jail, because it's a terrible place to go if you actually want them to become good members of society. And the right will use this and be the law and order party. We... We want you know to fight crime, but they don't want to fight crime. They want to punish criminals, and those are two very different things. But I'll get off my soapbox. I got like fifty other things that I want to say about that issue. Um, but I'll throw to you first, Marcy. What do you think about this? I think there's a couple of factors and the timing and the the decision of DeSantis doing this right because if you look at his his campaign as a whole, it is drastically failing so bad, and so I kind of feel like. A lot of the things that he's done in the last couple of weeks specifically is these knee jerk things to try and play to the base because um, he has this act going on that he's this strong man 
in Florida and he's doing all of these things. But actually, if you look at him on the campaign trail, he's weak. He has no likability. He really can't hold the conversation with regular people. And so he's like, okay, what do I have to do to get these votes? Um, I'm just going to be as fascist as possible. But I don't think there's any reason to why he's doing this. I think it's because his campaign is failing and he's trying to put on this front that he's this big, strong, tough guy like Trump, but he's going to be better at it. But as a whole. Marcy, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you right there because you just laid the perfect segue for a quote that I wanted to introduce later. But Worrell actually hit that exact nail on the head. Like when she was interviewed, she said he she said, quote, he needed to get back in the media in some positive way that would be red would be red meat for his base. And he will have accomplished that today, she said. He replaced his campaign manager yesterday, and I guess today it's my turn. So what you're saying is, ex I think, is exactly true. Worrell is also seeing through this. She's going to seek re-election. She's probably going to run on this and win. But I just wanted to point that out that, like, you are hitting the nail on the head here. And I didn't even read that quote at all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think it's it's very easy to look at if you watch him. She's a Democrat and she's a black woman. So he's going to like make all of the racist and crazy people happy by just doing this one thing. But I've been reading some articles that are saying that he can't actually do this. And Maxwell Frost was tweeting earlier today that the fight is just beginning on this, that I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, like constitutionally, he can't do that. Um, but it goes in where, you know, he shouldn't be able to stay the governor and run for president. So who is going to check him in these things? But um, I kind of have a lot of hope for Maxwell Frost. I think he's going to change Florida politics as as lightly as I tread on that. I think that this kid is going to do a lot and I don't think he's going to let him get away with this. Uh, yeah, Ron DeSantis uh, firing his attorney. So. I agree with you guys about, you know, him grasping at any straw he can to try to gain popularity because uh, people say he's a one trick pony with, you know, talking about wokeism all the time, but he's actually a two trick pony. Uh, my brother lives in Orlando and uh, I went to visit him last year and he was talking about DeSantis and how DeSantis won by a razor thin margin when he ran for governor, uh, what, six years ago against Andrew Gillum. I mean, it was like less than a percent. And since he's become governor, he's all he's done is red meat politics. And Mark was saying, my brother is Mark, uh, Mark was saying, I was like, he's actually a good politician in that sense, in that he will, he knows what his base likes and he does stuff to make them happy. And, uh, I know a guy, my friend is a cop in Florida, and every year DeSantis sends like a thousand dollar check to uh, cops and is like, hey, you know, this is a good job. That th That's good politics. It, it is. But the problem DeSantis is running into is doing this stuff works if you're running for governor of Florida. It does not work if you're running against Donald Trump. It's not going to work. Like nothing, there's nothing he can do. That like, yeah, sure, the Republicans are like, yeah, he's going after that uppity black lady who's letting all the criminals out the street. They're going to like it. They're not going to vote for him. Like, that's not going to like that's not going to dissuade them from voting against Trump. And so, yeah, it, it is something that that uh he's probably doing to, you know, raise his cred. But I mean, he's fighting a, a battle he can't possibly win. Like as long as Donald Trump is alive, as long as this man draws breath, he is going to be the Republican nominee. And 
De DeSantis is is a fucking nerd, and uh, you know he has this weird nasally voice, and he has no stage presence. Yeah, that's true and all, but his main problem is he's running against Donald Trump, and nothing he's gonna do is uh is gonna change that fact that as long as Trump is alive, he's always gonna be number two. That and the fact that he modeled himself after Trump. You ever see? Like last year, how he started wearing his suits too big and his ties too long and doing the weird hand accordion thing. And, and it's like, it's embarrassing, man. Like, it's like, no one's going to respect you when you, you tried to clone yourself. Why would they vote for a copy of Donald Trump when they have the real McCoy right in front of them? So, yeah, it's it, it's a sad thing to watch. I love seeing DeSantis embarrassed. Don't get me wrong. The more, the better. But uh, it's it's not going to work. But that's that's definitely why he did this. And just a caveat to that, let's say for whatever reason, Trump isn't the nominee, he is going to destroy every single person that runs as a Republican. He yes. is going to be the yes. one that puts that final nail in the coffin. He was the biggest mistake they ever made, and he is going to be their demise. No one is going, if he's not the nominee, he's just going to ruin whoever is. He's already Don publicly threatened DeSantis as well. He's already said, I've got stuff in my back pocket. Let him try and run. So I'm just like going to pop the popcorn and get ready for that because they're just, they're going to ruin themselves. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be Donald so Trump would rather see Joe Biden be president for a thousand years than allow any of these Republicans to beat him in the primary <laughs> and become president. Like, you know, that's the case. So yeah, they have a tiger by the tail here. There's nothing they can do about it. I, I love it. I love that the person that the, the, the Republican base is in love in, but the Republican establishment hates is destroying the Republican party. It's, it is, it's glorious to behold. It's, you know, we talked two weeks ago, TJ, and we, we, we had a whole segment of Ron DeSantis and we ended up spending 80% of it talking about Trump. And, and I think yes. that's very clear to what we're saying. However, I will I will tap the brakes here. I agree with everything that's been said. I, I've been, long been saying that it, it, it's rock, paper, scissors between Trump, Biden, and DeSantis, where Trump destroys DeSantis, DeSantis destroys Biden, and Biden destroys Trump. But I think that the things that we've discussed all day today about the you know the ohio vote the how the gop is seeing the writing on the wall and how they're no longer going to have any chance of winning democratic elections and so they are pushing more towards authoritarianism mm -hmm. i think that we're lucky that desantis is the current version of that and that he's such a bad campaigner however trump is only going to be around for so much longer yeah and trump will be able to do, kind of sabotage most likely most you know DeSantis likes but we could very easily be sitting here in 10 to 15 years with someone who has the same exact fascist authoritarian tendencies as DeSantis who no longer has a Trump in their way that could threaten to take power and I think that we can laugh at DeSantis all we want and I could spend the next several hours laughing at DeSantis Pinning our hopes on DeSantis being a shit candidate is a little dangerous. And I do think that the left needs to figure out ways to fight that kind of populist authoritarianism, fight the idea that the left is pro-crime, fight the, because even when I'm seeing this, like, I, I forget exactly uh, what the quote was, but it was a Demo you know, Democratic person in Florida, and their first thing that they went to was, 
of course DeSantis is trying to silence the only black woman. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I, I agree that that's bad. But it's like sixth on the list of bad things yeah. about this. And the fact that it's the first, it's just knee jerk. We're going to this again. It that like I said earlier, like that's what kind of created the wave to uh, allow Trump to take power. And like we can fight this on the grounds of facts. We can go, hey. She hasn't had a dereliction of duty. She's actually reduced crime by 10% in two years. She's actually done the thing. She's been the one stopping criminals from being on the streets. And no matter what you say, that is the fact. And it, it to me, I think it is a major messaging problem that that isn't the first nature, that, that the first thing that we go to on the left isn't the facts because the facts are usually on our side and i don't think that sometimes the facts are very confusing but i think oh she had a dereliction of duty uh what are the numbers oh crime is down 10 percent. what the fuck do you mean by that i feel like that's a very simple message that i had to search way too long to find you know you I, said i couldn't find it either yeah yeah, yeah i had i had to look in like a, a, a completely different area it wasn't in any of the major news outlets it wasn't even in any of the leftist outlets that i saw and i had to like find it myself which is i think just a emblematic of the messaging problem that we're seeing over this marxie you know you said that republicans run on democrats are soft on crime but i think what we're going to see going into 24 specifically with this coup attempt there were lawmakers that were involved in this. And I definitely think that Jack Smith and the DOJ is going to come down hard on these people because they should be in jail for the people who tried to overthrow the government and do this takeover and subvert our will, the American people. I think they are going to bring the fucking hammer and it's not even just going to be Jack Smith. Fanny's coming too. And I think, you know, when all of these people start being held accountable for what they've done, I think it's going to put some people back in line and kind of scare them into, oh shit, you know, they are serious or they are in power and they are going to hold these people accountable. It's just like how Trump's indictment, they said there was going to be civil war and they were going to take to the streets. And it was fucking crickets because they know that like, I think it's, oh, it's over a thousand. I don't know the exact number of people from January 6th are currently in jail for what happened. I don't think they really want to fuck around. And once Trump does go, I think a lot of them are going to be like, okay, we're just going to chill out a little bit here because they don't have the power of the military. They can't just come in and murder all of us crazy, you know, leftists and liberals with blue hair and go and kill a bunch of gay people. They're going to really know that there are consequences. And I think that's going to kind of change the tune of a lot of them. They're very tough and full of hot air and DeSantis. I'm going to go in there, J1, and slit throats. I think that all of this rhetoric is going to start to die down when people start going to jail, personally. Yeah. And also, like, 90% of them are north of 65. Like, like whose ass are you kicking, buddy? Come on. That's, 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 that's the linear progression of time is really going to kick their yeah. ass. It's, yeah, it's not on their side. Uh, uh, what you mentioned about, uh, oh, man, I lost it. Uh, oh, the uh, identity politics thing. So I think that uh, I think that there's ways. To, so with something like this, I think that the Democrats or leftists or liberals in general, anyone, you know, uh, uh, anywhere to the left of, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Barry Goldwater <laughs> these days or whatever, but. <laughs> Uh, 
a lot of times I think we should just like let the situation speak for itself because Republicans are very good at this in the opposite direction in that they'll do something that's blatantly racist, but you know, they never say anything about anyone's race. They never say anything about anyone's sex, but you know what it is. The message is put across. And so when they do something like, we don't need to say it, I think. I, I think most people know. And uh, in in the way that we can do it, like in positive ways, the best example I think of is, I remember, uh, like I'm special here, I remember when Barack Obama ran for president. I don't know if you guys do, but this is a very obscure footnote in history. <laughs> but when Obama ran for president, I watched every speech he made, not one time did he ever say if I win, I'll be the first black president. Words never left his mouth. He didn't have to say it because we knew. It's like, like, like and it was still this big cultural phenomenon. It's like, oh my God, this is a, an auspicious moment. We could have a black president. He didn't need to remind people of that. And I juxtaposed that when, when Clinton ran, or Hillary Clinton ran for president, because every time she talked, she mentioned that she would be the first woman president. And I remember when she was, uh, when Bernie Sanders was debating against for not being progressive enough. And I will, I will remember this for the rest of my life. Like I, it is, it is, it is laser etched into my memory that when Bernie accused her of not being uh, progressive enough, her answer was, I can't think of anything more progressive than being the first woman president. And the clout, I was like, what, what? Like that, that is not <laughs> what he's talking about. That, that, that's insane. So yeah, I think that there's ways that we can't. The problem we have on 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 the left is a lot of our a lot of our language and a lot of our discourse is almost necessarily academic, and so things kind of get lost in translation when we talk about it to to normies. And an example I like to use, like uh, is the term white privilege, a, pri a term I don't particularly care for. I don't particularly care for the term white privilege, not because it doesn't exist. It very obviously does. But when you say white privilege, anyone who doesn't know what you're talking about, a white person, immediately put on their back foot. Because what they hear, it's not what you're saying, what they hear is you have it easy because you're white. You don't have to struggle because you're white. And then you explain, no, no, obviously you do. Like for, for most white people in the country, you have to slog and you have to fight and struggle to pay your rent, to feed your kids, to stay alive. Life is very difficult for you. All we are saying is that their people of color have certain obstacles that you don't have to deal with. They have the same problems you have, plus a few more. And your average person will say, okay, even a lot of Republicans will say, okay, I understand. I agree with that. So why bother starting with the first one? Like why bother like immediately detracting people from your point? Just get to your point. So uh, I I remember making a video about that a long time ago and I got a lot of backlash from people saying, well, we should have to call the white people. You're right, we shouldn't. But you know, we operate in the world we live in, not in the world we'd like to. And so like, if you want to get your message across, you have to do it in a way that actually makes sense or that's actually palatable and acceptable to people. And unfortunately, Sometimes you have to do that, but you know, like what John said, but just pivoting immediately to the, well, of course he would be a racist. Yeah, it's true, but you don't have to say it. Like you don't have to, they already know. Mm -hmm.